0: chapter two of the stowmarket mystery or a legacy of hate by louis tracy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by caroline chapter two david hume's story brett closed the book with a snap what good purpose can it serve at this time to reopen the miserable story he asked curiously enough hume paid no heed to the question his lips quivered his nostrils twitched and his eyes shot strange gleams he caught the back of his chair with both hands in a grasp that tried to squeeze the tough oak what else have you written there he said and brett could not help but admire his forced composure nothing of any material importance you were arrested after an interval of some days as the result of a coroner's warrant you explained that you had a vivid dream in which you saw your cousin stabbed by a stranger whom you did not know whose face even you never saw sir alan was undoubtedly murdered the dagger-like attachment to your japanese sword had been driven into his breast up to the hilt actually splitting the heart to deliver such a blow with such a weapon required uncommon strength and skill i think i describe it here as un-english brett referred to his scrap-book in spite of himself, he felt all his old interest reawakening in this remarkable crime. Yes? queried hume. The barrister, his lips pursed up and critical, surveyed his concluding notes. You were tried at the ensuing assizes, and the jury disagreed your second trial resulted in an acquittal though the public attitude towards you was dubious the judge in summing up said that the evidence against you might be deemed insufficient in these words he conveyed the popular opinion i see i have noted here that miss margaret hume Fraser was at a covent garden fancy dress ball on the night of the murder but the tragic deaths of her father and brother had marked influence on the young lady she of course succeeded to the estates and decided at once to live at beechcroft does she still live there yes i am told she is distinguished for her charity and good works she is married ah to whom to an italian named giovanni capella his stage name no he is really an italian brett's pleasantry was successful in its object david hume regained his equanimity and sat down again after a pause he went on may i ask mr brett before i tell you my part of the story if you formed any theories as to the occurrence at the time the barrister consulted his memoranda something that met his eyes caused him to smile i see he said that mr winter of scotland yard was convinced of your guilt that is greatly in your favour why hume disdained the police but brett's remark evoked curiosity because mr winter is a most excellent officer whose intellect is shackled by handcuffs de does says the frenchman as a specific for human conduct lock him up says mr winter when he is inquiring into a crime of course he is right nine times out of ten but if in the tenth case intellect conflicts with handcuffs the handcuffs win being stronger in his instance hume was in no mood to appreciate the humours of scotland yard so the other continued the most telling point against you was the fact that not only the butler footman and two housemaids but you yourself at the coroner's inquest swore that the small japanese knife was in its sheath during the afternoon indeed the footman said it was there to the best of his belief at midnight then again a small drawer in sir Allen's writing-table had been wrenched open whilst you were alone in the room on this point the footman was positive near the drawer rested the sword from which its viperish companion had been abstracted had not the butler found sir alan's body still palpitating and testified beyond any manner of doubt that you were apparently sleeping in the library you would have been hanged mr hume probably the air of probability attending your execution would have been most convincing is my case then so desperate you cannot be tried again you know i do not mean that i want to establish my innocence to compel society to reinstate me as a man profoundly wronged above all to marry the woman i love Brett amused himself by rapidly projecting several rings of smoke through a large one. "'So you really are innocent,' he said, after a pause. David Hume rose from his chair and reached for his hat, gloves, and stick. "'You have crushed my remaining hope of emancipation,' he exclaimed bitterly you have the repute of being able to pluck the heart out of a mystery mr brett so when you assume that i am guilty i have assumed nothing of the kind you seem to possess the faculty of self-control kindly exercise it and answer my questions did you kill your cousin no who did kill him i do not know do you suspect anybody not in the remotest degree did he kill himself that theory was discussed privately but not brought forward at the trial three doctors said it was not worthy of a moment's consideration well you need not shout your replies and i would prefer to see you comfortably seated unless of course you feel more at ease near the door a trifle shamefacedly, Hume returned to his former position near the fireplace, that shrine to which all the household guards do reverence, even in the height of summer. It is impossible to conceive the occupants of a room deliberately grouping themselves without reference to the grate brett placed the open scrap-book on his knees and ran an index finger along underlined passages in the manner of counsel consulting a brief why did you give your cousin this sword because he told me he was making a collection of japanese arms and i remarked that my grandfather on my mother's side admiral cunningham had brought this weapon with others from the far east it lay for fifty years in our gun-room at glen Token. so you met sir alan soon after his return home yes in london the day he arrived came to town on purpose, in fact, afterwards travelled north, and he went to Beechcroft. How long afterwards? Be particular as to the dates. It is quite a simple matter, owing to the season. Allen reached Charing Cross from Brindisi on December 20. We remained together, that is lived at the same hotel paid calls and company visited the same restaurants went to the same theatres until the night of the twenty third when we parted it is a tradition of my family that the members of it should spend christmas together a somewhat unusual tradition in scotland is it not yes but it was my mother's wish so my father and i keep the custom up your father is still living yes thank goodness he is now the sixth baronet he is not neither he nor i will assume the title while the succession bears the taint of crime did you quarrel with your cousin in london not by word or thought he seemed to be surprised when i told him of my engagement to helen but he warmly congratulated me one afternoon he was a trifle short-tempered but not with me tell me about this his sister is or was then a rather rapid young lady she discovered that certain money-lenders would honour her drafts on her brother and she had been going the pace somewhat heavily. Allan went to see her, told her to stop this practice, and sent formal notice to the same effect through his solicitors to the bill discounters. It annoyed him, not on account of the money, but that his sister should act in such a way. Ah, this is important. It was not mentioned at the trial. Why should it be? Who can say? I wish to goodness I had helped your butler to raise Sir Allan's lifeless body. But about this family dispute, was there scene, tears, recriminations? Not a bit. You don't know Rita. We used to call her Rita because, as boys, we teased her by saying her name was Margarita and not Margaret. Why? she has such a foreign manner and style how did she acquire them she was a big girl six years old and tall for her age when her parents settled down in england she first spoke italian and picked up italian ways from her nurse an old party who was devotedly attached to her even Allen was a good Italian linguist and given to foreign manners when a little chap. But Harrow soon knocked them out of him. Rita retained them. I see. A curious household. I should have expected this young lady to upbraid her brother after the style of the prima donna in grand opera. No. He told me she laughed at him, and invited him to witness the trying on of a fancy-dress costume, the Queen of Night, which she wore at a bal masquet the night he was murdered. When did she get married? Last January, at Naples, very suddenly and without the knowledge of any of her relatives she had been living at beechcroft nearly a year then yes she went south in the winter the reason she gave was that the hall would be depressing on the anniversary of her brother's death she had become most popular in the district helen is very fond of her and was quite shocked to hear of her marriage the local people do not like signor capella why it is difficult to give a reason miss leighton does not indulge in details but that is the impression i gather from her letters hume paused and brett shot a quick glance at him finish what you are going to say he said only this helen and i have mutually released each other from our engagement and in the same breath have refused to be released that is if you understand the barrister nodded the result is that we are both thoroughly miserable our respective fathers do not like the idea of our marriage under the circumstances we are simply drifting in the feeble hope that some day a kindly providence will dissipate the cloud that hangs over me ah mr brett i am a rich man command the limits of my fortune but clear me prove to helen that her faith in my innocence is justified for goodness sake light another cigarette snapped the barrister you have interfered with my line of thought it is all wriggly quite a minute elapsed before he began again what caused the trouble at mrs eastham's ball i think i can explain that it seems that Allan's father told him to get married told him well left instructions how i do not know i only gathered as much from my cousin's remarks well it was not until his final homecoming that he realized what a beautiful woman the jolly little girl he knew as a boy had developed into she was just the kind of wife he wanted and i fancy he imagined i had stolen a march on him but he was a thoroughly straightforward manly fellow and something very much out of the common must have upset him before he vented his anger on me and helen have you any notion not the least pardon me i suppose you are going to ask if i guessed the cause yes it is quite unfathomable we parted the best of friends in london although he knew all about the engagement we met again at six p m on new year's eve and he was very short with me i can only vaguely assume that some feeling of resentment had meanwhile been working up in him and it found expression during his chat with helen in the conservatory did you use threats to him during the subsequent regal threats good gracious no i was angry with him for spoiling miss Leighton's enjoyment i called him an ass and said he had better have remained away another year than come back and make mischief that is all mrs eastham was far more outspoken indeed what did she say she hinted that his temper was a reminiscence of his southern birth always a sore point with him and contrasted me with him to his disadvantage all very unfair of course but you see she was the hostess and alan had upset her party very much so you walked home and resolved to hold out the olive branch most decidedly i was older perhaps a trifle more sedate i knew that helen loved me there were no difficulties in the way of our marriage which was arranged for the following spring indeed my second trial took place on the very date we had selected it was my duty to use poor Allen gently even his foolish and unreasonable jealousy was a compliment brett threw the scrap-book on the table he clasped his hands in front of his knees, tucking his heels on the edge of his chair. Mr. Hume, he said slowly, gazing fixedly at the other, I believe you. You did not kill your cousin End of chapter two.